welcome back to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and I'm here today with a special friend to bring some encouragement to moms out there. Becky Keefe is the Community Manager for Encourage, a widely followed online community of Christian women. In addition to leading Encourage's many contributors, Becky speaks regularly at MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers groups, and at other women's events. Becky and her husband live near Los Angeles, where they enjoy hiking sunny trails in the San Gabriel foothills with their three-spirited sons, ages 10, 9, and 7. Learn more at BeckyKeefe.com. Welcome to the show, Becky. Thank you, Denise. It's such a, a joy to be here with you today and get to share a little slice of, of life in our hearts for encouraging moms. Yes, definitely. And moms, you're going to be so encouraged today. This month, we are focusing on encouraging moms and the things that make us feel inadequate in this crazy, adventurous, holy calling. Later this month, we will focus on depression for a couple of episodes. You will not want to miss that. But today, we are sharing from Becky's new book, No Better Mom for the Job, Parenting with Confidence Even When You Don't Feel Cut Out for It. Oh, the title just makes me want to breathe a sigh of relief for myself and moms everywhere, Becky. I think we can all identify with that feeling of inadequacy as a mom. Like, have we done enough? Are we enough for our kids? I'm the mama of five with four in college and one in high school, and I've seen a lot of the truths in your book played out in my motherhood. Your book is such a gift. What prompted you to write this book, Becky? So Denise, I wrote No Better Mom for the Job because it was the book that I really needed as a young mom. God gave me three boys in three and a half years, which was a profound gift, but definitely rocked my world and shattered my sense of self. And I was floundering in my mama skin, feeling alone, longing for meaningful friendships, and I was wondering if I was normal for loving my kids in my life, and yet sometimes honestly, wanting to escape from them and also wondering where is God in the midst of it all. And so those are the kinds of really raw insecurities and wrestlings that I think we experience as moms um, that I explore in this book. And it's really a message that I still need just as much today. I feel like as moms, we need to be reminded that God made me the mom of my kids on purpose for a purpose, and he's committed to equipping me and walking with me, Um, and that's what I want moms to know. I love that you are serving other moms with the pain points that you experienced as a younger mom. I know for myself, I felt like the poster child for least prepared mom It was like, no one told me it was going to be like this. (laughs) But, you know, there is such encouragement that we as women can gather around and encourage one another with what we've learned. So I so appreciate your heart in doing this. The scripture for this episode is taken from Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. I love this scripture because it brings into focus what really matters as a mom, that we live lives of integrity, living out our faith and teaching our children about God. That's it. 
It doesn't say, thank God, that we have to be perfect housewives with Pinterest perfect homes and outfits or that we will meet every single need they have. But our walk with God is paramount. Becky, your book is a breath of fresh air for moms who struggle to feel like they measure up. I think that's such a distraction from the enemy accusing us and it's keeping us from what we're really called to do. What do you think is behind this emotion so many moms battle with, that feeling of inadequacy? You know, I think that at the core of it, it's because as moms, we care so much. Mm. It feels like there is so much at stake, and there is. We have been entrusted with these precious lives, and whether you came to motherhood through birth or adoption or foster care or some other wild circumstances that only God could have written in your life, we care so much about stewarding the gift and privilege and honor of motherhood. And I think it's easy in this world we live in to see shiny photos on social media and the perceived strengths in other moms, and we measure them against our own full-blown imperfect reality, and it just feels like we don't measure up, like we're not going to be able to do a good enough job with this weighty task. And I think that it's in that place of inadequacy that God really wants to meet us. Mm, So good. I love that you use the word entrusted. This is a humble part of the calling of a mom. I know I have felt such an accountability to God in this calling. Like, am I guarding them enough? Am I creating a refuge in our home? But sometimes comparison with other moms has been a stumbling block for me. One core truth you hit on, even in the title of your book, is that God did not make a mistake and knew what he was doing when he sovereignly placed our children in our care. There is no one better to be the mom of our children. How can moms overcome these feelings of inadequacy? What strategies or best practices do you recommend? Denise, I can relate with that feeling of like comparing myself to other moms. And so I'll just share a tiny bit of my story. And I talk about it in the book. But as a new mom, one of the things that really (laughs) rocked my world was this feeling of there's something wrong with my child or there's something wrong with me, but either way, we're not a match. Like my firstborn Noah, who's now 10, like from the get-go, he was spirited. (laughs) He was so spirited. And the things that I could see other moms doing, like taking their child to library story time or, you know, having a nice picnic at the park. Like my kid was the kid who just would not sit still and he was curious and highly energetic. And it was so easy to feel like someone else would do a better job in my shoes. But what God taught me through this process was one of the key ways to believing and embracing that I am in fact the right mom for my kid is to celebrate my unique mom strengths. And each of us can do this. These as moms, it's so easy to be keenly aware of our weaknesses, right? It's so easy to see what we fall short at, what we could do better at, but we need to practice. And it's not easy for us, but we need to practice taking stock of what you do well and don't discount it. And I'm talking about super, it can be literally little things. Like I have a friend who's so good at teaching her kids to read. And I was like, you're amazing at that. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I can't do that the way that you do that. Or maybe it's 
teaching your teenager to drive a car or French braiding hair or making healthy snacks. Like there's all these little ways that we just take for granted because it's so much of the way we do motherhood. But there's something really powerful about pausing and really taking stock of, of what, what do I do well? And so for me, when I was in just the throes of mothering young kids and God kind of brought this idea to my heart and I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know what I do well. And then I realized, yeah, I do do things well. Like I was, I'm really good at letting my kids be dirty, like to just play rough and tumble outside and dig up the yard. I was good at showing them the glory of things like cardboard boxes and how you can use your imagination or modeling gratitude. And so I want to ask, you know, if you're a mom, like, what is that for you? Like, what can, what are you doing well in the small unseen moments of motherhood? And when we are aware of and give weight to our unique strengths, we grow in confidence that God did not make a mistake and he really did make us the right mom for our kids. So celebrate your unique mom strengths. Love that celebration. What are we doing well and are we aware of it? I think one of the central problems is the shame we can feel as a mom when our kid doesn't behave exactly like that other kid, that perfect kid. But we realize that this parenting thing isn't really about us. You know, I really was convicted at one point uh, when my kids were younger that it's like I wanted them to perform so I would look good. And it's like, oh my goodness, that is such a far cry from what my kids really needed from me. And so um, I, I do think that is one of the things where in our culture, there can be such an emphasis on us performing even in our role as a mom. You know, your first chapter hits a nerve I think all mamas can relate to, from the baby blues to our wacky hormones and balancing all the demands that moms feel. I think we can be stretched so thin with not much time for self and discouragement or depression can sneak in an otherwise abundant, blessed life. But you mentioned gratitude at the root of this unhappiness, stealing our joy. Can you expound on this ingratitude and how you deal with it? Yeah, I can definitely relate with that. Um, I talk about my opening chapter is actually called, You Just Don't Seem Happy Anymore. And that was something that my husband told me one night. The kids were in bed. I was scraping the muck off, you know, the dinner dishes. And he said it not so much as an accusation, but as this observation um, that made him sad. And my immediate uh, response was, I wanted to be defensive. Like, how can you say I'm not happy? Like, I'm happy. Like, I have a blessed life. I love my kids. I'm thankful every day that they, you know, are safe and healthy and growing and thriving. How can you say I'm not happy? And yet, Denise, through this process of the spirit of God urging me to be reflective, I realized that my husband was right, that I really wasn't happy. And even more than not being happy, I wasn't living the full life of joy. And at the root of it was this ingratitude, this deep feeling of, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time, enough energy, enough patience, enough money, whatever it is. And I was so focused on my lack so focused on rehearsing the heart of motherhood that I was missing out on all of the good. And so I think that it's, it's hard to admit. And, and part of it too, I had to grapple with the fact that 
maybe I wasn't an outright complainer. Like, I don't think my friends would be, would say, Oh, Becky's ungrateful, but I had these internal dialogue tapes that would play in my mind. And they were like these poor me melodies that just said, you know, like this life of these three crazy boys, it's just too much to handle and you're never going to have enough time and not enough space for yourself or time with friends or time with your husband. And the not enoughs were so loud that I couldn't see the blessings and gifts that God had actually given me. And so the way that God brought me out of that, and I'll be honest, it's, I'm still in process. Like it's not a one and done, do it once and you're fixed forever. It is a daily choosing to look at those small things. Um, you know, whether it's having leftovers for dinner so you don't have to cook or laundry warm from the dryer or a kid who doesn't complain at bedtime or a fresh tube of toothpaste. Like there's so many little things that we can pause and give thanks for in our day. And that really helped infuse the joy back into my motherhood. Mm, I love it. It's our focus that makes a difference. You know, focused on lack and the heart, as you put it, of motherhood, it can leave us defeated or unhappy. And also that principle of not enough that you mentioned, that being so loud. That's one of the principles uh, in my book, Shame Off You, that God just brought me to when we have that accusation in our mind that you're not enough is to just go ahead and own it. Hey, you're right. I'm not enough. Jesus is enough. He's my sufficiency. And that just quickly turns that um, accusation into a vindication You know, so maybe moms are out there right now and you're feeling that, but you don't know my laundry's a mess. You know, my kid disobeyed and did this. It's not about you. You know, one thing God showed me even just last night uh, in my devotion time was that thing that upsets us so much, maybe about our children's character, is we don't realize that our shortcomings, God is the perfect parent. And he will come behind what we do, and he is called to to correct them as well. And so where we miss it as parents and as moms, God is our sufficiency. So, you know, you share in your book about a key to parenting with God confidence is to become a student of your child and yourself. There's such wisdom in this statement and not thinking we should be just like others or a cookie cutter mentality. Can you share on this idea and how this worked in your parenting? Yeah, so much of it goes back to what you even said before, feeling like why, you know, just wanting your kid to to behave and feeling like their performance was an indication um, of how well you're mothering. Um, and so for me, like I mentioned, I had this, the spirited toddler and then pretty soon, 19 months later came another baby and 22 short months after that came my third and, uh, life was really wonderful and really crazy. Um, being a mom of three young boys and I would find myself in these situations and I just felt constantly defeated because I felt like the way I do motherhood and even the way I usher my kids through childhood, there's this picture that I held in my mind um, that looked like, you know, these, these pleasant trips, you know, to the park or, you know, meeting a nice mom at at the bookstore and, you know, my kids sitting quietly and, and pouring over pages of stories like I did as a little girl. And that was just not my picture of motherhood. 
Um, and so in my chapter called Stop the Crazy Making, I talk about how I had to stop doing what I thought motherhood should look like. And I had to start realizing who has God made me and who has he made my kids and instead of fighting against that, how can I set boundaries and guidelines that will set us up for success? Um, and so I walk us through these different questions that helps identify when do feelings of inadequacy rear their ugly head most in your motherhood? When do you feel most frustrated with your child or disappointed in your parenting? And it's in those moments that we need to take notes. And the classic example for me as a young mom was going to the park. And I so longed for deep friendships. And I think we might talk about this a little bit later, but I so longed for another mom to connect with and to share like my motherhood joy and woes with. And so I wanted to, to meet up with a friend at the park. And that sounds normal, right? Like moms go to the park, like this should not be a hard thing. And yet for me going to the park with my crew, meant my friend was there sitting nicely with her daughter who was digging contentedly in the sand and sharing her shovels. And my kids were the ones like running into the parking lot and finding a random hose to turn on and flooding the playground and climbing to perilous heights. And I just felt so frustrated and defeated. And like, why can't, why can't this go smoothly like it seems for other people? So I decided instead of always being super frustrated at myself and my kids, what boundaries could I set that would set us up for success? And so in that example, the simple boundary I made was that we were only going to go to gated parks in that season of life. And so there was this beautiful sprawling park right around the corner from my house. And I would not go there because it just was too much for me to handle. Maybe it wasn't too much for another mom to handle, but for me and my kids and having a nursing baby and two active toddlers, it just was stress inducing. So I would drive Denise 15 or 20 minutes to a smaller, fully gated park. And those simple physical boundaries created these emotional boundaries where I could be attentive to my kids and enjoy their laughter and their playing, maybe sneak in a couple of sentences with a friend, but I left so much left less stressed. And so I want to encourage moms to think about it. What is it for you? What are those situations that make you feel frustrated? Maybe your child isn't spirited. Maybe your child is really shy. And every time you go to a big birthday party and you want your kid to like go and play and do the games and they just are like clinging to your leg or want to sit on your lap and you're like, you can sit on my lap at home. Like what is happening? Well, maybe that situation isn't what you and your child are going to thrive in. So Find guidelines that you set for yourself. They're not going to be the same as your friends, but these guidelines are there to empower you, not to imprison you. And it's also important to note that these, these boundaries are there for a season, and we as moms have the power and freedom to change them as often as we need. My boys are older now, and we can go to any park we want. And, you know, we can, um, I can take them all out to get hamburgers or ice cream and, and just me and them. And that was something I could never do before because it was just too stressful. And so um, I just want to say that God did not make a mistake in making you the mom of your kid. That's a drum. I'll be as loud as I can. And one way you can know that is to be a student of your child. Figure out what works well for both of you and lean in there. That is such a great way to take your understanding of your child and you and to say, I've got to have a fenced-in playground 
you know, and how the physical boundaries created these emotional boundaries for you. I, I remember the stress of counting heads and just feeling like I was constantly in a panic, you know, wait, 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 where's the other kid? You know, and that you say that boundaries are for a season and that we're empowered by them. Wow. You know, you mentioned also that, you know, maybe I can get in a few sentences with a friend. I want to hit on that a little bit. Motherhood can be a really lonely journey, right? It's easy for moms to feel isolated in the demands of caring for their kids. Like we have to keep it all together or we will be rejected if someone sees our weaknesses. Friendship is such an important part of the encouragement and support moms need through the ups and downs of motherhood. But finding those life together friendships in the thick of parenting isn't always easy. And like you mentioned, you know, trying to get in a few sentences talking, having adult conversation is so hard. In your book, you discuss relationship pitfalls that keep us from cultivating mama friendships. Can you walk us through these pitfalls and what you would say to a mom listening today who's longing for a friend to do life with? Yeah, you're so right, Denise. Friendship is a crucial part of finding that encouragement, finding that support that that we need. And it's often, I think, easier to do life alone in some ways, to be in your own rhythm of whether it's nap time schedules and nursing or it's running carpool between a thousand different kid after school activities and homework. But I really believe that together is where we thrive and we're able to speak hope and truth and be a mirror to one another and be able to say like, you, you might feel like you're inadequate, but like, I see the good in you and like, you are doing that. And so as a young mom, I long for those kinds of friendships, but I'll be honest with you, it, it was years until I really cultivated them. And, um, and I went to, I went to mops groups. If you guys are familiar with mops, it's, um, an organization they host, um, groups at churches and I was part of other groups at churches and, you know, play groups. And I would go with this expectation of like, okay, I'm the new girl. I'm going to show up and I'm going to make some friends. And yet semester after semester, year after year, I would show up to these events and chit chat and have pleasant conversation. And yet I'd left not feeling any more known than when I went. And that almost felt even more lonely and isolating Um, And I just wondered like, God, like what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I have like, I just want one good friend to walk out this motherhood journey with. And through that process, um, God helped me see these pitfalls that I had (laughs) given way to. And these things that we think that we might be trying really hard to make friends. Um, But there's some things that I think are really common to a lot of women. And I'm just going to go through them quickly. There's four things that I think can keep us from cultivating friendships. One is false thinking. Two, snap judgment. Three, insecurity. And four, good intentions with no follow through. And false thinking. Let's start there. So false thinking says things like, I'm new, so someone else should initiate with me. And that was totally my perspective in going like we had moved after uh, my first son was born. And so we went to a new church and a new group. And every time I went, I tried somewhere new. I was like, well, I'm, I'm new. So they should come to me. No, if you are new and you desire friendships, be the one to initiate. Or another uh, example of false thinking is everyone else has their friendship plate full. 
as a woman, we could walk into a Bible study or a PTA meeting or whatever it is and assess the room and think, oh, she clearly has enough friends and so does she and so does she. And it feels like there's not room for me. And that's false. I've been speaking and writing to moms and women for years, and I have yet to meet a woman who doesn't long for deep friendships. So that's this number one, false thinking. I think the other thing that can, that can trip us up in making friends, honestly, snap judgments. I have been guilty of this, and I'm you know, embarrassed to say it, but I remember sitting at one of those moms group tables and having a lovely conversation and someone else asking me after a few weeks, like, so like, are you connecting with anyone? And I remember saying like, yeah, all the women seem nice, but I just don't really think I'm going to connect. And I had this like snap judgment about these women that I didn't even know. And it turns out one of the moms at that table, she has now been one of my best friends for eight years. Um, And so we got to get outside of our snap judgments. Like we might think that we don't have a lot in common, but Sometimes we, it just takes time for those layers to, to peel back. So don't make staff judgments. The third is insecurity. We have these thoughts in our head that say, I'm too fill in the blank. I'm too shy. I'm too loud. I'm too emotional. I'm too socially awkward. We have these insecurities that make us feel like I'm too much or I'm not enough for friendship. No, God made you, you, and there's probably another mom out there looking for a friend just like you. And the fourth pitfall, Denise, is I think probably the most common, and it is good intentions with no follow through. And it sounds like this really common phrase that I have been guilty of saying, and I hear all the time from other moms, it's this. You meet someone, maybe it's at church, maybe it's at preschool, maybe it's at your kid's soccer or dance lessons, and you think, oh, they seem nice. Maybe you're chit-chatting and you say this phrase, we should hang out sometime. We should hang out sometime. How many of us have said that? We should hang out sometime. It's not like we're being disingenuine, but then there is no follow-through. You never do anything about it. You don't ask for her number. You don't exchange information. You don't follow up right away and actually hang out. And all these things add up to the fact that we can feel like, oh, I'm trying so hard to make friends. But, but we're doing these things that kind of sabotage the ability for these life together friendships to grow. Um, so identifying those things in my own life was, was really huge into going from a mom who was floundering alone to really thriving in, in community. Oh, I'm convicted. Number four, good intentions with no follow through <laughs> is definitely me. Uh, but, you know, this is something God's been speaking to me about. In fact, I'm going to lunch with a friend afterwards because she pursued me <laughs> hardcore. And I'm so glad that she did. Um, so, but we also, you know, we need to be wise in our relationships because I think sometimes we really look to people to meet our needs so much that we can really be prone to some drama and um, putting too much on another person. God has to meet our greatest need, but still, you know, it can be hard for women to connect and find their village or tribe. This is where small groups, Bible study groups and mops groups are so vital. You mentioned finding the holy in the mundane in our roles as moms I remember one time when I was a nursing mom with four kids under the age of six, and let me just say, I was a hot mess. I was never that mom who looked like I had my act together, but cleaning up potty training mishaps and feeling so defeated, then all of a sudden, this smile just came across my face. 
I felt the presence of God in the words, holy calling filled my spirit. Instead of, you know, feeling so bummed about the fact that there was one more mishap, I realized this was the most significant thing I could do. I was taking care of God's children that he gave to me. It mattered. Did I feel like I was too good for such lowly tasks as wiping their tushes? Or did I see that taking care of God's precious children was the highest calling? That day changed my perspective. And while stinky diapers are still not my favorite, I'm just so grateful that I got to stay home and home educate and be there for most every spill, fall, and disaster. But there were defining moments and definitely moments where I felt like I could not handle all of motherhood's challenges. You discuss in the chapter why every mom deserves a cape. Amen. How can moms turn their struggles into victory and celebration? (laughs) Yeah, I love that example, Denise. You know, we can feel, we can look at motherhood and all of our responsibilities and the picture can feel chaotic and overwhelming. And there were lots of years that, honestly, I felt just like a butt wiper and a milk machine (laughs) who struggled to make mediocre dinners while not losing my temper. Um, And yet, what I have found as moms, we need to learn to magnify the wonder. We need to learn to magnify the wonder. And this looks like zooming our attention in on one moment at a time, not looking at, you know, all the, all the kids, or even if you just have one child that I know can feel just as overwhelming because you are their everything, their playmate and their teacher, and they don't have a sibling to interact with and all of it can feel overwhelming. But when we zoom our attention in on one moment at a time, it's there that we can learn to feel satisfied and celebrate and not let the struggles overshadow. And so when my boys were little, you know, bedtime felt like the last leg of a daily marathon that I was not trained to run. And the whole thing was so exhausting. But I learned to magnify the wonder of a moment by as they were falling asleep, I could delight in plump cheeks and curved eyelashes as a child, you know, started that heavy breathing. Or I could delight in a child's curious questions or give thanks for cozy beds. Um, so bedtime as a whole, trying to get three little kids to go to sleep who climbed, climbed out of their cribs. And I mean, it was just chaos. That was too much. But if I could zoom in and magnify the wonder of one moment, that's where victory came. And it reminds me of a snowstorm. And a snowstorm is hard to endure. And motherhood can feel like that too. But if you zoom in on just one snowflake, No one can deny the wonder and the beauty and the glory of God's purpose and creativity. And so in the same way, motherhood is like a million snowflake moments. So if you are listening and you're feeling discouraged and overwhelmed by the flurry of motherhood, of that flurry, that snowstorm, decide to focus on just one precious snowflake at a time. Zoom in on that one sweet thing your little guy said, or that one, you know, tight hug around your neck, or that one, you know, whatever that one moment is today, zoom in on that and magnify the wonder. Amen to that. You know, uh, I, I love the thought of being intentional to say right now in this moment, I'm going to appreciate this moment. But a lot of times we don't live in the present. We're always thinking about the past or the future. I think that's what robs us of the beauty of the moment that we're in right now. 
And I know uh, bedtime was a tragic moment for me at times too, you know, uh, trying to get people to take naps and bedtime, but uh, it is so worth it to enjoy those moments. This has been so encouraging, Becky. We are going to continue this conversation next week. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a free copy of Becky's book, No Better Mom for the Job, Parenting with Confidence, even when you don't feel cut out for it. To find out more about Becky, visit her website, www.beckykeefe.com. The raw truth is that being a mom is hard, but the fruit we bear for caring for God's children will last for generations. The radical grace is when we feel like a failure, we remember that we are not enough, but God is. He fills our weak spots with his incredible grace. And the real hope is our efforts are holy and in partnership with the one who made us all. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 